that supports Leeds is over 50. Well over 50. Please turn to Joshua. Joshua chapter 2. When I lived back in Garva, the guys told me a story, and they, they told me it was true. Uh, there's a guy in Garva has a very good head of hair, and it's quite dark, but there's a white streak runs through it. And the story is that there's a haunted house outside Garva, and quite some years ago, the guys were egging each other on to go and nail something to the door and uh, this guy said well I'll do it because I'm not scared and he went a considerable bit down the road and nailed something to the door but he never came back and a good while later the guys plucked up the courage and thought they better go and look for him and when they did they found him lying out cold on the doorstep and he had nailed his coat to the door while he was nailing the thing there, but he thought the ghost had caught him. <laughs> and this streak of white hair went through him, and seemingly that's a, a thing that can happen. My, my own mother-in-law's hair went white overnight when her mother died, but uh, a traumatic thing in her life can, can cause something like that. So I want to talk a wee bit about fear tonight, but in a... And in a very important way. And here's a proverb. And you'll remember this if you can count to ten. It's Proverbs 9, 10. And you probably know what that is already. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And knowledge and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And often in my life, I, I have to, what is that, recalibrate, reset, just hit the button and get back to God. Just say the word God. It was repeated, so I was good there. God, God. Why do we come here tonight? To worship God. What's life about? You were made in the image of God. You were made to worship him and so if you miss that one thing in life you miss it all but who is God and actually I've been absent for the last couple of weeks I'm sorry uh, just being very careful hopefully things will peak in the next wee while in hospital and at home it's difficult so forgive me for that but I've been absent, but I, I am a week behind. And I was listening to Yule, and he was telling you, telling you, and because I had it in front of me, he was telling me about the attributes of God, and God's faithfulness, and his omnipresence, and his omniscience, he knows everything, and his omnipotence, he is all powerful. Uh, and we get all that, but why? I'm going to quote Keith to me here. Uh, 
Keith and I were having a conversation one time and we were talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit. But sometimes we let God down. And I confessed to you one Sunday morning that I, I got angry in the ward one morning and I, I swore. And Keith said to me, well, where was the Holy Spirit when that happened? Well, that's a very big question. And I think that's answered simply by because we're still sinful. And we don't let God into every corner of our lives. But the fear of God, the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. If you, if you just go out for a walk on any day, whether it be a cloudy day or I love a blue sky. You've heard me say this before. And you just look up. The sky tells you something about God. The skies proclaim the glory of God. All, you know that Psalm 19, I think it is. Um, they tell you something about God because the sky is so infinite. I was out the other, I was out on Friday having a five minute walk at my lunch break and I was looking at the new buildings they built around the hospital and they're quite something in one sense, but, but they go nowhere into the sky. And then I thought about skyscrapers, and I thought, aren't we fooling ourselves? Because I, I didn't go and look it up, but the tallest skyscraper is just a midget in comparison to the sky. The word skyscraper is, is an oxymoron. It doesn't begin to scrape the sky. Honestly, and then they call one of them the shard. Now, if you'd expect something to scrape something, it would be a shard, a shard of glass, but it doesn't even begin to scrape the sky that God made. And that's just our universe, our, our atmosphere. I went to a nightclub called uh, Space one time, but I had no atmosphere. So I just went home. Anyway, so God... The sky tells us something about God. And if you stare at the sky long enough during the day, or if you go out on a starry night, and you start to think about, who are you, God? You made this in a day, and you put all those stars out in an afternoon, and then you start to hit the reset button, and you say, well, where am I in my relationship with God? Do I fear him? The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. That is the exact opposite as the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. The fool, the opposite of wisdom, fool says in his heart, there is no God. I reckon there's an awful lot of people and I work with a lot of guys in their 20s and 30s, and it's a frightening generation. A lot of them claim to be atheists. And I think that's a bit of a get-out card to push God into the corner to say, I'll deal with him when I have to. But that's foolishness, because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. So why did I ask you to turn to Joshua? Because there's a woman in Joshua who gets what fearing God is all about. She's the last woman on earth, and I talked about her about three months ago. Uh, Rahab, and she's a 
prostitute in the city of Jericho. And she's the last woman you expect to tell you about fearing God. I went to a pub one day to give out invitations for Christianity Explored. And there was nobody else in the pub but one man. And he started to talk to me. And we got into conversation and it turned out he owned the pub. So his congregation was even smaller than mine. And... uh, But he was a very devout Catholic. And that man taught me a lot about fearing God. And in some ways I felt that he was closer to God in some points than I was. He had a reverence for God and a sense of uh, importance in meeting in his church and everything. And there was just bits missing in his theology that we would love to see changed. But he was getting there. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Now the the publican guy, the guy that owned the pub, I thought would be the last person would have an interest in God. So see when you think I not talk to that person about God, talk to that person about God because you might just be surprised. The two spies go down into Jericho and Why, I don't know, but they end up in the house of Rahab, the prostitute. The Bible's very clear about that. The NIV says it can mean innkeeper in the footnote. And that's a possibility, so she could have been an innkeeper as well. But when you get to the New Testament and the book of Hebrews, it doesn't say anything about that. It says, and Rahab the prostitute, and in James, that why I was talking about it the last time, James clearly just says, and about Rahab the prostitute. So there's no question about that. She was a woman of questionable morality. And the spies find themselves in her house. And then the king of Jericho sends to her and he says, look, those guys that came to your house are spies from Israel. They're here to spy out the whole land. Give them up to us. She said, oh, they were here earlier, but they left. They went down the road and they don't know where they went. I don't know where they were from. Uh, If you go after them, you might catch them. But she had hidden them up on the roof under some flax stalks that she had let out. Now look at verse 8 in chapter 2 of Joshua. Joshua chapter 2 and verse 8. Before the spies lay down. Now there is no question in this story that the spies were there for anything but noble purposes to do the spying okay. They just happened to be in that lady's house. There's a whole lot of stuff written about this. I read some this week. I could make it so simple by just saying, I think God directed them to that house, the most unlikely house they should have went to, but they were there. And when they met this lady, she was just a lady to talk to. Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof where she had hidden them. There were flat roofs in those days. And said to them, I know, I know. Now, Tom at the prayer meeting this week and his main point was no wasn't it I know the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And she says to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. And look at the next bit. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us. So that all who live in this country, not just this city, Jericho, but in all the country of Canaan, are melting in fear because of you. We have heard how the Lord dried up the waters of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sion and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, who you completely destroyed. When we heard it, heard of it, our hearts sank and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord, your God, is God in heaven above and on earth below. This is this lady of questionable morality without a doubt and she's saying to them I know about your God I know that we should be so fearful of him I know the things that he can do I'm aware of his great power and ability we have heard and we believe what we have heard. But it seems to me that she was the only one in all of Jericho that had got it. Forty years is a long time to be scared of something. And for forty years the Canaanites unknown to the Israelites, God's people, because they're wandering around in the desert because they've been disobedient. But unknown to them, everyone's heart had failed in Canaan when God dried up the Red Sea and the Israelites went across it after they left Egypt. And the people were sitting there in fear for 40 years waiting on them coming. It's a long time to be scared. So what do you do in 40 years? Do you not actually turn your heart over to God? But do you not go looking for God and say, God, I'm sorry. Can I be on your side? So for 40 years now they've been scared, but maybe they put it to the side that those guys, like those guys I work with, maybe they just sort of, we know it's there. It's the elephant in the room. We don't want to deal with it. Let's just get on with life. Maybe you're like that. But God is real. And although the Israelites had been unfaithful to God and disobedient, and that whole generation had to die as they walked round and round the wilderness for the next 39 years or so, the 40 years are now up. And just a few months ago, these Canaanite people have heard that God, the, the God of the Israelites is at work again. He's just taken out two of the most horrible kings east of the Jordan, Sion and Og. 
they wiped them out completely. You read about that in Numbers. And the Israelites didn't do it in their own power. They did it by the power of God. And the Canaanites got that. And this woman really got it. Because for some reason, these guys ended up in her house. Well, she saw them coming and called. I, I don't know how it happened. God directed them there. But she says to them, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. Now look at verse 12. What do you do if you know about the fear of God? If you know what God is really like? If I got it, if I kept that consciously in my mind 24-7, I would be a bit more careful about letting slip with this or that or losing my temper for a moment or whatever the case may be that your downfall is. And she got it. But what do you do with that fear? Because it's one thing having a fear for 40 years. It's another thing thinking what you're going to do about it. I think this woman is an amazing convert to the God of Israel. Verse 12, now then she says, please swear to me by the Lord. She's asking them to swear by their God that she now seems to have grasped that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. Give me a sure sign that you will spare the lives of my father and my mother and my brothers and my sisters and all who belong to them and that you will save us from death. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You've got to get past the beginning. If you're ever in a race and you stand at the starting line, you're never going to win the race. You've got to get past the beginning. And uh, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge. Getting to know him. I wonder did she start praying to God? She must have. She must have turned her heart to God and said, God, I know I'm an immoral lady. I know the things I do are not right with you. There's a sense there's something wrong in my life. She didn't have the Ten Commandments, by the way. But she knew in her heart that things weren't right, and she knew that everyone's heart was melting around her for the fear of the God of Israel, and she was going to do something about it for her and her family. And she turns to God and and, and these guys miraculously turn up at her door uh, and they come in and they, they're spying out the land and she says, I know that the Lord has given this land to you. So when you turn up to take over, please remember us. Please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. She's asking them to show the kindness of God to her. She realizes what sort of God he is. She reckons that she's learned enough about God to see that he cared enough about his own people who were a bunch of rabble, really, that he cared for them day and night for 40 years in the wilderness. I'm sure they often ask, what are those people eating out there? And maybe the word get back, it's a very strange thing because... They eat stuff called, what is it? 
They don't even know what it's called. It's called manna, which in Hebrew is, what is it? They never even got a name for it, but they got it every day, and every day they got it. Sometimes, like the people in the hospital, when they get their lunch, they look at it and they go, what is it? Uh, But the Hebrews never even got a name for it. They just called it manna from heaven. And I'm sure the Canaanites wondered for 39 years, how did they stay alive out there? God must be taking care. What sort of God is he? He must be a God who really cares. And this woman must have got it. She must have thought, well, maybe he cares for me. Even with my background, even with my history, even with my story, my backstory, he must care for, if he cares for them, he could care for me. Let me tell you something. This lady had a past. But this lady in the present turned her life over to God. And you know what? I'm just going to miss out a whole load of the story. I'm going to turn over to chapter 6. Because this lady, as well as having a past, because she puts her hope in God, has a future. And it's a glorious future. Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But knowledge of the Holy One, starting to live in his presence, starting to think about what is this God really like, starting to grasp what he's like, starting to think maybe I should go after him myself. And God miraculously makes these guys turn up and they say to her, your lives for ours, our lives for your life. The man said to her, if you don't, sorry, verse 14 of chapter 2. If you don't tell what we are doing, we will treat you kindly and faithfully when the Lord gives us the land. And the story goes on. And then we get to chapter 6. And God takes the city of Jericho out. You know the story. And there's an old song that says, Joyce, you fought the battle of Jericho. But the first line is wrong because he didn't. It was God. It was all God. God just said to him, march around the city once. And then do it again the next day and do that for six days. Now they had told Rahab to stay in the house with all of her family and make sure they don't leave the house. When we, when we come into town or when we come up to the, to the city, make sure all your family's gathered in the house. If they're in the house, they're safe. If they're not in this house, their blood's on them and not on us. But if they're in the house, their blood will be on us. They made a covenant of blood with her. And and they turn up a few days later. And they just walk around the city. And they walk around the city for six days once. And on the seventh day, they go around it seven times. Now Rahab, sitting in the house with her family, looking out the window, it must have felt like a week. It was a week. Wake up, come on. Uh, and they went round the city once and they just went home and they went round the city the second day and they just went home and they went round the city the third day and this went on for it even the bible gives up on telling that six times it says and this went on for six days but here's the important thing in the middle of the procession that goes round the city every day is the ark of the covenant of the lord 
The very presence of God is with the Israelites walking around that city. And it keeps saying it. And so he, ha, so he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the people returned to their camp and spent the night there. Then they went out in day two. Uh, and did the same, but the ark of the covenant of the Lord went round the city with them. And on day three, and on day four, and on day five, and on day six, and the people inside must be thinking, they're a bunch of nutcases. But on day seven, they go round the city seven times. In fact, they walk nine and a half miles that day, round the city, round the city, round the city, round the city, round the city. And Joshua says, say nothing until you hear us blasting with our, the, the priests blasting the horns and then shout with all your might, and the walls will collapse. And that's just what happened. Everything collapsed. But God must have had some ingenious structural engineer look around that city because the only piece that stayed up was the house of Rahab, the prostitute. Look at verse, look at chapter two, chapter six and verse 22. Joshua said to the two men who had spied out the land, go into the prostitute's house and bring her out and all who belong to her in accordance with, the, with your oath to her. In other words, you made an oath in God's name. Your God who is faithful to you will be faithful to her because she made a covenant with you. And in making a covenant with you, she was making a covenant with him. And God is faithful in his covenant. So go and bring her out. And because she had that scarlet cord on the window, they knew exactly where. There was only house left. And they went out in and brought her out. So the young man, verse 23, who had done the spying, went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her and her brothers, and all who belonged to her. They brought out her entire family and put them in a place outside the camp. And then they did the job that they were meant to do in Canaan. Then they burned the the whole city and everything in it, but they put the silver and gold and articles of bronze and iron into the treasury of the Lord's house. But Joyce spared Rahab the prostitute with her family and all who belonged to her because she hid the men Joyce had sent as spies to Jericho. And listen to this, the woman who had a past had a future and she lives among the Israelites to this day. When Joshua wrote this down, he didn't have time, or he didn't know, actually. But this Rahab would become the great, great grandmother of King David. And her story is a bit like his, because when everyone else was scared she stood up and was different. And do you remember the story about David and Goliath? When everyone else is scared, not for 40 years, but for 40 days, he's the one who stands up and is different. It must be a family thing that run down through the family. Faithfulness to God, the fear of God, is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One. 
is understanding. How would you get to know God? If you're listening in here tonight or if you've never given your life to him, how would you get to know God? Because the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. You get to know him by looking into the sky. As you will say, is looking at creation, and he spelt it out to you in incredible detail about the speed that the world travels at and everything else. But just looking at it, get to know him that way, something of his awesomeness. But you get to know him a lot better because he arrived here in the flesh. And in John chapter 1, we get this verse. For the fullness, from the fullness of his grace, Jesus Christ, we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses. That causes fear. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, has made him no one. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. If you really are serious, and you need to be serious about fearing an almighty God, there's two things you must fear about God, and I've told you this before. It's it's summarized in a little story about two wee lads looking at a pile of stones at a glass house in the middle of nowhere and they're thinking, what a lovely noise that would make. One wee lad's about to pick up a stone and he, and he, and he went, if my dad finds out that I'd done this, he'll kill me. And the other wee lad, he thought it would be lovely to hear that crashing noise, but he said... If my dad found out that I'd done this, it would kill my dad. Because there's two things you need to fear about God. That he is almighty and he is all-powerful. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But it is an awful thing to think that you would live your whole life and never have a relationship with a God who is kind and loving and caring and so gracious and kind to us that you would miss out on that. That should scare the life out of everybody. So if you're serious about fearing God, you've got to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Because knowing him means that you get to know God on a personal basis. And what is he like? Well, this story in chapter 8 of John, just let me read you a bit of it. The religious people bring in a woman again, a woman of questionable morality, caught in adultery. They say Moses says that we should stone this lady. What do you say, good teacher? They're trying to catch Jesus out. Jesus, after writing in the sand for a little while, stands up and says to them, he who is without sin cast the first stone. That is one of them, that is the most used actually. It's, it's used in everyday currency nowadays, but Jesus first said it. That came out of the mouth of absolute wisdom itself. And then he bends down and starts writing again, and then he looks at them, and they all start to walk away because they know that every single one of them have no ability to cast a stone because they have sin. 
that this those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there so only two people left Jesus the one who shows us what God is really like no one has ever seen God but God the one and only has made him known Jesus is left standing there with the woman. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. And she hadn't even run away. So beautiful and kind and gracious, but full of power. Then he said to her, Then neither do I condemn you. This is what God's like with people of sin. He's gracious and kind, but he wants you to do something. Then he said to her, then Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin. Neither do I condemn you. John 3.16 says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but shall have eternal life for God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him whoever believes in him is not condemned but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only son the biggest question tonight one, do you know who God is and do you fear him? And you have no excuse because the sky tells you every day that he's real. The biggest question after that is, do you know Jesus because he is the only one that can make you right with God because no one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only Son, has made him known. You've got to know Jesus. And in knowing Jesus, you come into a relationship with God, and you will never be condemned. You'll go to heaven to be with him forever. Know who you'll meet there? You'll meet a prostitute, a woman who used to be known as a prostitute called Rahab. She married a man called Solomon. They had a baby. They had, their baby had a baby. Their baby had a baby. And their baby had a baby. And then their baby had a baby. And he was called King David. And then his, they had a baby. And 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 then there was a baby called Jesus born. That to show you everything that God is like. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. But knowing him, that's something else indeed. No, but knowledge of God, but knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you love us so much, that you made the world in such a way that we can't deny your existence. We can say it, but we can't make it happen because you're real. And you loved us so much that you didn't leave us just to think what you'd be like. You came in person and you lived among us and you showed people that you're a loving, kind and gracious God 
who needs to put sin right and so you put it right yourself when you died on the cross. Thank you for your kindness to us. If there's someone here tonight or listening in who doesn't know you, pray that they would run to that cross of Jesus. Get down on their knees in fear of a living God and fear that they have offended him and in fear that they would lose him for eternity and grasp him because Jesus is the way to you, Lord. And so bring us to Calvary tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.